You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Let's focus on skills and the multiple pathways through which people can come about the skills needed to do a job on day one and the skills needed to advance along a career pathway. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are reminded to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host, India Jackson, to get the dialogue going. So my voice might not sound like normal. I am not feeling 100%. However, I am 100% here. So... <laughs> Just to give you that ahead of time, this episode today is one that I didn't realize how necessary it was until we were literally in it, breaking it down. Of course, intellectually, as we were going through and setting this up and knowing the necessity to discuss that having a college degree has become a huge standing hindrance for people to be able to not only get a job, but to get a sustainable job that they can advance in and how it's a huge, you know, roadblock for black people. And of course I I knew that. And to be in this episode today, just really laid out that it is a hindrance. It's a hindrance that's being recognized by some. And there are some things that we can actually do. And it gave some really great insight into what's happening so that you can understand where can my role show up in this. And so today, India and I interviewed Maurice Jones. And I want to start by telling you a little bit about him. Maurice Jones is the CEO of 110. Maurice was raised by his grandparents in a rural Southern Virginia community where his family had a tobacco farm, or as he as he so lovingly said on the episode, Backa Farm. And it was a corn farm as well. He earned a full merit scholarship to Hamden Sydney College, a small liberal arts school. In 1986, he graduated Phi Beta Kappa and was selected as a Rhodes Scholar. Later, he earned a master's degree in international studies at Oxford University, and in 1992, he graduated from the University of Virginia Law School. Prior to 110, 
Mari served as the president and CEO of Local Initiative Support Corporation, one of the country's largest organizations supporting projects to revitalize communities and catalyze economic opportunities for residents. At various points in his professional career, Maurice has served as Deputy Secretary for the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, also known as HUD, the Commissioner of Virginia's Department of Social Services, and Deputy Chief of Staff to former Virginia Governor Mark Warner. He also served as the Secretary of Commerce for the Commonwealth of Virginia and under the Clinton administration on legal policy and program issues at the Treasury Department. Maurice is combining so much experience and so much knowledge and so much insight as we talked about what 110 does and how it supports not only being able to achieve, but to achieve sustainably and to really create this ecosystem that supports us in being able to evolve beautifully in the ways that we have long been denied. And I just can't wait for you to listen in. So without further ado. Let's get it going. Hello, India. Hello. How are you? Uh, loaded question. Like, yeah, loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> loaded question. Some of the things that I deal with on a regular basis are trying to show up and wreck my life today. However, I shall not be moved. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so we are here. We are recording and we don't do a lot of interviews together anymore. So I'm really looking forward to having you here. I'm like, ooh, I I, I get to have some backup. I appreciate that right now. <laughs> I always find uh, when I'm not feeling well, the backup is even better. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes I can let myself become the backup and I'm okay with that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have Maurice with us and Maurice, you have not been here with Indy and I before, so welcome. Pause on the play audience to Maurice Jones. Hello, how are you? I'm delighted to be with you, and you're right. I haven't been here before, so thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. We are very much looking forward to this conversation and being that what it is that you do and how it is that you are supporting Black people Maybe it's just me, but it feels very timely this week with the Senate hearings and things going on. I'm like, oh, yes, let's let's talk about some black joy and not have people show up and do foolishness with it. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. So I know that we kind of went through bio and all that stuff previously, but I also want to make sure that we're humanizing you. So tell us one thing about you that doesn't show up in a bio. It probably doesn't show up in a bio that for the first 25 years of my life, I was a farmer. Oh. I was uh, born and raised by grandparents on a farm in rural Virginia, where we raised pigs, we had cattle, we had a garden, we had corn and the big cash crop, if you will, was tobacco. Mm. As we say, backa. (laughs) And I was a backa farmer for 25 years of my life. I tell people all the time, it inspired me to go to college at the end of the day. (laughs) I hear that. But that will probably not show up on the bio. Uh, But it was foundational, I should say, to all 
of uh, all of my life. Uh, Interesting. Right. And when you say that, like for me, it's one of those things that it, it stands out for a number of reasons. One, a lot of us have lived many lives in one life. <laughs> and that really kind of gives you insight into not only what it is to work with your hands and use your body, but also how does this then shift to me um, working with my mind and understanding that you're actually not leaving anything out. You're using all of the things. And I think sometimes until we shift through the different ways that, you know, work and, and, and effort shows up in our lives, we don't always get that integration to click in. I chuckle when I hear somebody say, uh, oh, you're working hard. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, I say, look, I, I know what working hard looks and feels like. Uh, so... When I'm in an office with a, a college shirt on and maybe a tie, maybe not, but I'm not out in a field with snakes crawling on the ground and the sun beating at 100 degrees and I'm pulling tobacco and tobacco wax, I go, no, 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 no. I know what working hard looks like. This, I can do. I can do this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so it just... You know, it's your journey, right? That that sort of gives you to your point. That's the perspective piece for me. Yeah, you had me at snakes. Same. I was like, oh, no, I'm, out. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> that was the same thing I thought. I was yeah, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I I am working on like uh, there's that part of me that I'm like, oh, I mean, like dirt. Like you mean dirty, dirty? I'm. Oh, wait, no. And 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 I say that as somebody that now has gotten fully into not only growing plants, but helping plants to thrive and really enjoying having my hands in the dirt. And there was a point that I would have been like, oh, no, I'm not doing any of that. So it it's it almost feels like a homecoming to figure out what does it feel like to 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 get into something that for so long felt disconnected from me and almost like a, um, a reclamation. Mm. And that's something that I think as a culture, Black people go through because of the history of what farming for others, unpaid farming, we're going to call it that today because I don't, I'm not going to take nobody to church right now. <laughs> you know, being enslaved has done and it, it disconnected us from something that we had innate habits and, and abilities in. Yep. Amen. So I want you to start off, uh, if you don't mind, by telling us a little bit about the motivation that is behind you wanting to shift the jobs ecosystem and being able to move it from being more education-based to also being skill-based? Let me take you back a little bit. So 2020, um, which not too long ago, but boy, has it been a, it was a, was it a transformative year? Mm -hmm. If you remember, we had the, the beginnings of the pandemic, which had a very disproportionate impact uh, in an adverse way on black communities and other communities of color. That triggered or contributed to a pretty severe recession that also had a disproportionately adverse impact on black folks and other communities of color. And then you had a series of just searing, heartbreaking 
killings. You had Armand Arbery, you had Breonna Taylor, and you know, most especially in broad daylight for all of us to witness over and over again as it was captured on recording the the murder of Mr. George Floyd. Well, that moved, those things moved people. And in particular, a handful of CEOs from the corporate community basically said, this is not the best we can be as a country. And we want to contribute to a more perfect union. What shall we do here? And what they decided was, look, if we're going to get at these um, issues of disparity, which break down very often along race and place, quality jobs have to be part of the solution. And they did their homework and discovered that if you look at our country today, and this was before COVID, it's even more dramatic now, and you look at jobs that pay $60,000 and above, on paper, 79% of them require that you have a four-year degree to even compete for the job. Indeed, if you look at jobs that pay $40,000 and above, on paper, 71% of those jobs require that you have a four-year degree to get into the game, to even compete. For $40,000 a year? Yes, indeed. You can't live off of $40,000 a year. I I hear you. Especially where we're located. I hear you. That's poverty. Yeah, no, that's right. And so what these folks went on to look, I mean, what they basically said is, and then when you look at the workforce, right, if you look at Black talent ages 25 and above in the workforce, 76% of us do not yet have our four-year degree. By the way, that number is 83% when it comes to Latinx. And it's actually 66% when you look at white talent. It's 66% overall of the workforce doesn't have a four-year degree. And yet we have a literally systemic barrier to earning your way into the middle class in the form of this credential, this four-year degree. So to your point, the motivation behind the 110 coalition is let's move corporate America and hopefully all of America will follow to a skills-first approach to hiring and to promoting folks. At the end of the day, what this is about is saying, look, let's focus on skills and the multiple pathways through which people can come about the skills needed to do a job on day one and the skills needed to advance along a career pathway. We do that. We achieve a more perfect union. We achieve a more diverse and a more inclusive workplace. We actually take folks who are now on the sideline and get them into our enterprises, our companies, so they can help to actually 
uh, improve the trajectory of their families and their communities and the country. And so that's what, at the end of the day, this 110 journey is all about at its core. So first of all, I'm so glad that you laid it out with statistics because it can be really easy to have conversations like this and to understand it, but to hear numbers really roots it to understand like, no, 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 this really doesn't make sense. When you hear the disparate number of people that have a degree versus those that are even in the, in, in the running for any of these positions that still aren't paying enough. And I, I think that what you said about not only getting the job, but being able to advance is the piece that sometimes gets lost because it's great that you got in the door, but then what happens? Yep. Because that to me is a huge piece of sustainability. Absolutely. That's why our focus is both hiring and promotion and advancement. And, you know, to your point, what we're discovering is, look, honestly, the easier piece of this is the hiring. The tougher piece is removing the obstacles to advancement and making sure that you're creating a culture and a climate in which all talent can thrive and all talent have a pathway. And so for us, we are almost at the point now where we're Um, not using the terminology job anymore. We're focused on pathways Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that's really what building wealth is all about. It's a pathway or a set of pathways in accessing them. And that's really what the 110 journey is attempting to advance. One of the things that shows up for me in what you were sharing is being part of that percentage that has the four-year degree. I always felt like my experience has been that it was a box to be checked to decide, am I even qualified to get the interview, right? It's, it's a, for me, it's shown up in my life as a checking of a box, not this degree implied that I have certain skills, this degree of implies that I have certain education. It was just, do you have a degree? We don't even care what it's in as long as it's a bachelor's degree or above. Yeah. You know, it, it actually, let me take that a little further and build on it. It actually is used even more often to keep people out yes. than it is to bring people in. Right. So it really is, Hey, if you, to your point, if you can't check this box, we can we can just eliminate you from this pile, mm-hmm. right? And we don't even have to look at what skills you have and how you came about them. We're going to use this credential as a weeding out vehicle. And that's what is often the case with respect to uh, any credential. And, and that's why we're saying, look, let's focus on skills. Let's acknowledge that there are multiple ways to come about those skills uh, and let's focus on what we need to do to make sure people have the skills on day one and continue to enhance their skills 
so they can in advance and be promoted. Thank you for utilizing that language because that is exactly what it's felt like in my experiences back in the days of applying for positions with other people's companies. And, you know, what I've witnessed in my peers that were black and brown who maybe didn't get those degrees versus myself and my white counterparts, it was, hey, I'm going to keep you out of this opportunity because you don't have this. Well, many times the people who did not have the degree had more skills and more talent. Yep. We can't talk around topics. We must use language to call it what it is, no matter how palatable it may be. And in order to get to that point, you want to be in alignment with what matters to you and why. Being clear on this means you can chart a course that prioritizes your values and the impact they can create. Leading through your values means being explicit about what you support and how your actions are aligned with that. Maurice is an amazing example of this, as you have already experienced in this interview. This is a perfect example of what happens when alignment allows every person you hire and every business that you buy from to bring you closer to your values. These are the kinds of decisions that ultimately shape your company culture and support those that you are seeking to impact. If you are seeking to get explicit about your values today, Indy and I can support you with that. Go on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit. Sign up for the masterclass today. I mentioned I was raised by grandparents on a farm in Virginia. Neither one of those grandparents had a four-year degree. Indeed, my grandfather went to school for six years in a barn. Because he was a little colored child, as we were referred to then, um, he was denied any formal education after that. My grandmother, because she lived in quote-unquote town, was able to walk to the local segregated colored school and got her high school diploma. These were, for me, the geniuses of my early life. And I know that they, that they're, that the country didn't fully benefit from what they could have um, provided because they were kept away from opportunities like this. Uh, but their skills, I mean, these folks transformed my life. There's nobody who's had a greater impact than them. So we, we're leaving literally talent on the sideline with this credentials focus. That's putting it mildly because to quantify somebody's worth or value simply to whether or not they could go get again, a box to be checked by having this piece of paper from this other place because somebody set it up in a particular way and said that it matters and then discounted anywhere else where knowledge could be accumulated. That has been and continues to be a plight for people long-term to, if you cannot quantify it in this way, it doesn't count. And I, I know a lot of people that have degrees Excuse my French. They're not very smart. <laughs> they're intelligent dumbasses. <laughs> She's but, not talking about me. No, <laughs> no. But but and but this is also where I'm also going to 
like, you know, I will kind of use you as a little bit of an example here, India, only because you have this degree. And for the longest time, your degree was not what contributed to the value that I saw you bring. That was you. That had nothing to do with what you paid money for to go get a piece of paper for. And so the sustainability that was created and the longevity and the insight and the context did not necessarily come from that. I'm not going to say it didn't help, but that wasn't the thing. No, I completely agree. I, <laughs> a lot of the work that I do even today does not utilize what I learned in my degree and even more so in the past. <laughs> right. And, and so it makes me think like, you know, as, as a black woman, I know that sustainability for us has looked a lot of different ways and will continue to until we get to a point that there is more equity and we don't have to be so far behind the starting line when we are, you know, observing and, and witnessing things like, can I even access this opportunity? Can I access advancement? And so with everything that you're doing, are there any things that we haven't addressed, Maurice, that are helping to support that sustainability for, for Black people that goes beyond just the employment piece? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked that because employment alone is necessary but not sufficient. So another big piece of what uh, makes up the 110 journey are the talent supports or the wraparound supports, some people call them, that all of us need in order to truly thrive. And by that, I mean transportation. I mean mentors and coaches. I mean childcare. I mean mental wellness. In mm -hmm. our, what we're trying to do basically is to knit together an ecosystem and to scale it, right? And that ecosystem consists of jobs. It consists of the talent that we're talking about. It consists of the organizations that can assist that talent to be equipped for those jobs, ranging from community colleges to work experience to military transitions to um, life experiences. And then it consists of those wraparound supports, mentors, coaches, and the like. In our eyes, jobs alone are not sufficient. This is about how you make sure you're putting together an ecosystem that that talent can actually leverage throughout life, throughout jobs, throughout a career pathway. That at the end of the day, if you don't have all of those parts of the ecosystem, the risk of a bad day, of a bad season, of a bad year, really throwing you off track, just it, they multiply. Um, and this is the kind of ecosystem you need for resiliency. And so that's what we're trying to, um, working with partners, that's what we're trying to cultivate, build, and scale. Can I just acknowledge there that I love the fact that what you're building and maybe this is just me hearing it, but it's mirroring your backup farming of understanding how that comes together. 
And I personally just had like a warm and fuzzy moment for that. I was like, I love how that comes together that way. <laughs> this is true. I love that you already adopted that terminology. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you in a back of field yet. (laughs) You know, one of the things that you talked about is um, that sustainability piece. And I've heard you use the language in the past of like a family sustaining job. Mm. Would you mind clarifying for our listeners and readers of our article, what is a family sustaining job? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, because uh, for us, it's not any job, right? We, for a job to count for the 110 journey, it basically has to have four attributes. One, the job must pay a living wage, not minimum wage. It must pay a wage that enables you to pay your bills to save a little money, to invest in housing, education, all these things. And so we use the living wage calculator that folks at uh, MIT developed years ago to determine what that is by each metropolitan area. Fortunately for us, um, that calculator calculates it uh, for each of the metropolitan statistical areas around the country. So that's number one, living wage, not minimum wage, living wage. Secondly, uh, to the point we were just discussing, the job cannot require a four-year degree as a gateway of entry. Thirdly, the job can also not require more than five years of experience as a gateway of entry. And then lastly, we're looking for jobs that um, are not at risk of, frankly, getting automated out of existence in the next six months, three months, what have you. Jobs that are actually going to, to be around. Now, fortunately, there actually are a lot of jobs um, that have these attributes that are out there. Um, And there can be more as more and more of our companies in particular decide to move to a skills-first approach and remove four-year degree credentials on jobs where it's not really necessary um, for the skills that um, are connected to that job. But those that's so when I say family sustaining jobs and careers, those are the four attributes that must be present in order to qualify for 110. Thank you so much for breaking that down. And there's so many pieces to that mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think are typically not on the radar. Um, if nothing else, one of the things that really stood out to me is that five year experience requirement. I see it on almost everything. And that's a long time to expect someone in today's society to have been in the same role. Um, I've found that so many people are building up their skill set by trying different positions. And so to say you have to have five in just this thing is a lot to ask in modern society. It is. And again, it, it, it disproportionately impacts folks of color. And so, yeah, and, and 
you know, again, we, we're, we're really trying to focus people on, okay, let's get really good in discerning and articulating the skills that we're looking for. Let's get really good at understanding the multiple pathways through which people can come about these skills. And let's not erect these barriers that really narrow the cohort of folks who can be considered. And when I hear you say that, all of which I agree with 150%, what I wonder is with these types of efforts, I it's clearly being laid out how a company like a Nike, a Target, a Walmart um, can and should be doing these types of things. And I wonder how this could be, you know, maybe scaled or adopted, uh, maybe shrunk down a little bit so that it could be repeated for a small business that feels like I don't have these kinds of resources, but I want to contribute to this type of outcome. What do you think they could do so it doesn't feel like it's out of their reach? Yeah. to be a part of making a difference. Yeah, I think, look, a couple things. Um, what we're, um, so we have companies in the coalition that are, you know, large companies that have 50,000 employees or more. We also have small businesses that might hire five to 10 people a year. And what we're doing is making sure, and we, by the way, we need all of the above, right? If we're going to hit our milestone of a million over 10 years, we're, we really need business partners of all shapes and sizes and places. Um, so for the smaller businesses here, um, what we've been saying to them in particular is, um, there are ways that we're going to make sure that we are building collaborations among small businesses so that, frankly, uh, small businesses can uh, work together uh, to do some of this hiring and to do some of this work around skills first um, approaches that they will need the resources of others Um in order to actually do the kinds of things that the bigger businesses already have infrastructures for. The community of practice work that we're doing, for example, that really tries to share best practices for these companies to uh, adhere to in order to achieve the kinds of things that, that we're trying to achieve here. We're creating a separate community of practice just for the small businesses. Mm. Uh, so all of that is to say, look, um, if you've got two people or five people or 10 people or 10,000 people, there is a contribution for you to be made to this effort. Uh, and we need all of these uh, businesses of all of these sizes to really lean into the skills first approach. Uh, and we have benefits for all of them. And, uh, and, and again, look forward to learning and working with all of them. Love it. 
All of it. And my head, I'm all, my head's already like, so how many people am I going to go talk to about this? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, I love it. That's the right answer. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a team sport. It is a team sport. We need uh, more laborers in the vineyard, so to speak, uh, in order to continue to advance this, uh, advance this effort. Well, and you said collaboration, which is a huge cornerstone of what we believe in over here. So as soon as you said that, I was like, yep, that. Yeah. And I find it interesting that what you're doing is really bringing together a lot of different types of ways to support this. And so we love going from being implicit about what we're saying to being explicit. Um, And so if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like part of what people can do to contribute is to adapt the skills-based approach to how they're hiring. But it also sounds like there's room to partner with people who offer childcare services or other things like that. Am I heading in the right direction of where I'm thinking You're of this? Absolutely heading in the right di- direction. So yeah, if you think about this, we need um, companies who have jobs. So we need folks um, who can be in the business of hiring and promoting people. We also, though, need to equip talent for these jobs, technical skills, hard skills, as some folks call them, soft skills. Some folks uh, refer to those as well. I call the, the soft skills durable skills. Uh, so we need trainers, right? We need um Entities that can help folks um, train for IT jobs and non-IT jobs and manufacturing jobs and HR jobs and finance jobs. So we need talent developers. And to your point, we also need organizations that can provide the wraparound supports, the child care, the transportation, uh, mentors and coaches. So we need um, for-profit entities. We need not-for-profit entities. We need big entities. We need small businesses. Yeah, there is, this is literally about building, knitting together an ecosystem of a variety of organizations who can make a contribution here. And by the way, we need coaches and mentors. So we also need individuals Mm. who, uh, in their individual capacity, have a desire to be helpful. Thank you so much for breaking that down because I know that our listeners and our readers and the people that have really followed this podcast fall into all of those categories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so with with all of that that you laid out, which thank you for being very specific about it and reminding people that it's even more than what maybe they think it is, which is exactly what I think needed to be conveyed. If you were to share one action that as we wind down here, you would like everyone to take after hearing this conversation or just being able to witness what's happening here and their brain is now like, I need to do something. What's one action that you'd have them take to create change? 
I would uh, ask them to visit our website. Uh, you can Google us at 110.org. You can also on that website indicate an interest in being helpful. And I would ask you to do that and we will follow up with you and, um, and frankly, put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> and and I, I also wanted to, um, as we're closing here, mention one thing. Look, the focused cohort here is Black talent without four-year degrees. Because of the data that I mentioned to you, which is 66% of all talent uh, in the workplace do not have four-year degrees, what we know is we fixed this problem for black talent without four-year degrees. We actually fix it for the overwhelming bulk of the workforce in America. And we thereby increase America's, frankly, global prosperity within the international economic realm that we are living and working and playing and residing in. So this is an effort that is about ultimately the global competitiveness of our country. Uh, and I want to make sure people understand the bigger picture here, uh, because we, we can't, we literally cannot be great as long as we're leaving black talent on the sideline. And so that's what we're that's what we're trying to, um, that's what we're trying to uh, advance here. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, of course, like you mentioned, having people go on over to 110.org, which will have the link in our article as well, so people can visit there. Um, and they'll be able to not only learn about the organization, but also about you as the individual. Because again, I think it's always easier to buy into something when they can kind of have that humanity shown with the, the person that is really pushing this. So is there anywhere else that you would like people to learn more about you or 110.org is, is what we're going to be like, just go there. 110.org is certainly the, the main place. Okay. You can also, you know, we're on social media, right? I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can definitely, uh, uh, we welcome you to uh, interact with us uh, there as, as well. But 110.org is, is the main place where I would tell you you can learn about the whole enterprise and we can, um, we can uh, hear from you and, and hopefully um, find ways to collaborate with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maurice, for everything that you shared, all your time today, all the efforts that you are putting in to support Black people, Black families, and for just being you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. This episode was so good because having the statistics to root the exact things that Maurice was talking about, which Many of us are already aware of it, but to have those numbers put out there and to really understand the barriers that are being created that aren't even barriers in, in, a, in a way that it makes sense. Like these aren't just saying, oh, you have to have this to make a living wage. It's like, no, here's a barrier and you still aren't making a living wage. And so the impact that 110 
is is making to to help with that and the ways that we all can continue to figure out how we can be a part of that. I'm so glad that we got to talk through that. And yes, I want you to go and learn more and figure out how it is that you can be a part of this, no matter what it is that you do, no matter how big your your brand is, or if you even have a brand, you can be a part of the change. As we close out, I want to make sure that we acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. People think they know what to expect, but they haven't met you yet. Biweekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. For showing up here and taking in our real conversations that we are having in order to normalize the challenging things and to be able to make them a part of our everyday exchanges. For doing that, we thank you. Together, this is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection. We continue to cross lines and recreate boundaries in order to support, not separate. Let's keep getting people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?